Well, good morning, LifePoint. It's great to be with you. Great to worship with you today and just lift the name of our Lord and Savior high this morning. Um, my name is Corey, and I serve as the teaching pastor here at our Plain City campus, and I hope, um, I hope you enjoyed your 4th of July weekend holiday. Um, man, I know for us, we, we got to kind of celebrate with some neighbors and some friends um, on last Saturday. Hilliard did their fireworks a little bit early, but then we were with some other friends in, in Upper Arlington on the 4th of July. But let me just tell you, like, I went to bed last night with, you know, there's, there's always those neighbors who, who forgot that, like, the 4th of July was, like, five days ago, right? And they decide at, like, 11.30 last night, like, oh, we got we to gotta shoot off fireworks, right? And they have their own fireworks display. So went to bed listening to that last night. If that's you, no judgment, man. Rock it out, right? Um, you know who you are, right? So, and I'm pretty sure you know, like, hey, let's get all these people sleeping around us. Let's, you know, 4th of July week long. So if you're new with us this morning, so grateful you're here. Um, I want to let you know that um, there's some helpful resources available to you this morning. You can access those by typing lpguest.com into the web browser of your phone or scanning that QR code on the back of the chair in front of you. That will get, to get you to some of the upcoming events we have as, as a church. We are one campus um, of six that make up one church as LifePoint. Um, so those events, um, like tonight, we have a, a, an all-campus worship night at six o'clock at our Lewis Center campus. So um, that will take you to things like that. Um, it'll also take you to interactive message notes for this morning so you can follow along. And it will take you to a digital guest card that takes you less than 60 seconds to fill out. At the bottom of that digital guest card, you'll see five ministries we're already partnered with. You could pick the one that means the most to you, and we'll make an additional $5 donation in your honor to that ministry. That way you can do something good and kind by being with us today. Well, last week we had Kyle Connell come and teach and preach, and he shared out of the Gospel of John and how Jesus brings us the abundant life. So we kind of took a break from our current series, but we're back into it today in Under the Sun, where we're looking at the Old Testament book of Ecclesiastes. And so if you've got your Bible this morning, and I hope you do, or you've got your Bible app, I want to invite you to turn to Ecclesiastes chapter 7, and we're going to be starting in verse 15 today. Ecclesiastes chapter 7 and verse 15. As you're making your way there, if you remember, our big idea for this series is that God offers us a full life in an empty world. That God offers us a full life in an empty world. And so where I want to begin today is I want to read the entire passage today, but then we're just going to focus in on just one verse this morning. So let me read that for us. Solomon writes, starting in verse 15, he says, In my vain life I have seen everything. He says there's a, a righteous man who perishes in his righteousness, and there's a, a wicked man who prolongs his life in his evil doing. He says, be not overly righteous and do not make yourself too wise. Why should you destroy yourself? Be not overly wicked, neither be a fool. Why should you die before your time? It is good that you should take hold of this, and from that withhold not your hand, for the one who fears God shall come out from both of them. Verse 19, he says, wisdom gives strength to the wise man more than ten rulers who are in a city. Surely there is not a righteous man on earth who does good and never sins. Verse 21, do not take heart to all the things that people say, lest your you hear your servant cursing you. Your heart knows that many times you yourself have cursed others. 
All this I've tested by wisdom. I said, I will be wise, but it is far from me. So here we are, Solomon writes in these nine verses, and it's chock full of, of a bunch of stuff, but we're just going to focus on one verse, and that one verse, like I said, is going to be verse 15, right? Verse 15, where Solomon says, in my vain life, I've seen everything, and he goes on to say, there's a righteous man who perishes in his righteousness, and there's a wicked man who prolongs his life in his evil doing." What Solomon is saying here is, hey, I have seen in life on this earth, in life under the sun, there are good, righteous people who suffer and they die way too young. And I've seen wicked people who seem to prosper and enjoy a long life. And really, this isn't news to us because we've all seen this on varying levels in our, our life, whether it's coworkers who cut corners, yet they're the ones who seem to get promoted classmates who cheat and never get caught, but they get the good grades, honest people that just seem that they can never catch a break in, in their endeavors, yet there's wicked people that kind of just succeed in, in their corruption. We've seen good people experience hardship after hardship in life, and we've seen people that are just doing evil kind of seem to get the easy life. And sadly, the longer we're alive, we've seen good, loving, kind compassionate people die way too early in life and we've seen those who do evil like Solomon says seem to enjoy a long prosperous life right life under the sun is full of examples like this and let's just be honest with one another right uh, this is the exact opposite of how we think it should be and how we think it should work it's the exact opposite of how we, we want to see a world overseen by a good and righteous God actually operate Right? Our expectation is that righteous people or that good people should be rewarded and they should live a long life and, and prosper. We believe that the, the wicked people, right, they should suffer and they should be punished for doing, doing wrong. So I, why we're hanging here is because verse 15, what Solomon writes, brings about, I think, relevant questions or at least a relevant question for us today. And that's asking, does God truly bless and re reward the righteous? And does God truly punish the wicked? And if so, then why in our lifetime do we see good people suffer? And why do we see wicked people prosper? So that's what we're going to spend some time talking about this morning. And I got to let you know up front, we are not going to be able to exhaust all the answers for this because this is a biggie, right? And I'm going to let you know, I'm probably going to not do this justice and I'm going to fail in so many different areas of pulling all the layers of the onion back regarding what's the answer to this. But I do believe we can begin to scratch the surface and, and see things maybe a little bit differently than we had when we walked in today. And so as we move forward, I want to let you know the answer to this is kind of a compound one, or it's made up of different components for us today that we're going to try to just try to walk, walk through together. But it all is going to start in one place, and, and i got to start here, even though we're in church, I know the day and age we live in, we have to start here, and where we're going to start this morning is this, that we must view God's word as the instruction manual for our life. Seems like it should be a given, but it's not in this day and age. That we must view God's word as the instruction manual for our lives. It's, it's saying in our hearts and our minds, right? Hey, I believe God's word, the Bible, is truth, that it's actually from God, that it's complete, and that it's without error. 
My boys and I were just doing a, a study um, a, a week or two ago, and we came across 2 Timothy 3.16, right, which says, all scripture. And, and we stopped, and we looked at each other, and we had a discussion about it, and said, so what does that mean? What, all scripture. All scripture what? From the beginning to the end, everything in, in between. All scripture is breathed out by God. That means it's God's instructions to us. And it says it's profitable, which means it's good. What is God's word good for? To teach us, to reprove us. It's to show us what we should disapprove of. It's, it's good for correction and it's good for training in righteousness. It's so important as we begin to unpack this today that we, we settle on having a biblical worldview to finding our answers. It's turning to the word of God for our answers. So with that being the case, what does the Bible tell us about God blessing the righteous, punishing the wicked, seeing good people suffer, seeing bad people prosper? The first thing we see is this, and it's in Galatians chapter 6 and verse 7. The Apostle Paul writes, do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever one sows, that will he or she also reap. And we're going to come back to this verse a little bit later. But what we learn right here is that God does. It is true. It is true that God does bring, when we, obedience to his word, obedience brings blessing. And disobedience does bring consequences. That obedience brings blessing and disobedience brings consequences in our, our lives. And we can go to scripture after scripture after scripture that, that shows us, us this. But the, the one that comes to mind first for me is Psalm 119 where we read over and over again, blessed are those who walk in the way of the Lord. Blessed are those who keep his testimonies. Blessed are those who seek his ways. There's 176 verses in Psalm 119, and the majority of them point to the goodness and the blessing of following and obeying God's word in our lives. But why? Why would obedience to his instructions, to God's word, be a, be a good thing? Why would it bring, bring reward or blessing, right? And, and again, kind of unpack the layers of the onion here. It's because we learn from Genesis chapter 1, the very first book of the Bible, that God is the creator of all things. And I think that's, that's so important for us to grasp today. Realizing that God is the creator of all things, of, of humankind, of life, of nature, of relationships, of emotions, of sex, of marriage, of the universe, of all of it. He is the creator of all of it. And if he's the creator of all it, this is why it's so important, he's going to know how all of those things function the best, should be used, and should operate. He's going to know when, when we don't do those things the right way, how they're going to cause us harm. And so he'll warn us those, of those things. That's a life principle, right? That the creator of something always knows what's best for their creation, Always knows how it's supposed to function. That's why we turn to the, the owner's manual of things. And it tells us, hey, if you use this the right way, here's the result you're going to get. But we also know there's always like those warnings in there. Use it this way, you can't sue us because you did the wrong thing with what we gave you. Right? This reminds me of when I was younger and I was a teenager. I used to work on a golf course. And I would unload golf bags and things like that. And so I unlo unloaded this gentleman's golf bag. And, and usually they would give you a tip, just a couple dollars for, for doing that. And so I take this guy's golf bag into the clubhouse and he looks at me and he goes, hey, I bet you, you want a tip, right? And how do you answer that? I didn't even get an answer out. And he goes, well, here's your tip. Don't cut your hair with a lawnmower. 
right? And now, I don't know if that guy had the gift of prophecy, like that I was going to be bald one day or what, you know? But, but I, I share that with you because we know that, right? Who would cut their hair with a lawnmower? That is not what a lawnmower is designed for. It's not what it's created for. That when we use a lawnmower for what it's created for, we get a nice, beautiful lawn. If we use it for what it isn't created for, right, there's going to be disaster. There's going to be things that are not working out the right way. It's the same with God. If he is the creator and he's left us his instructions on how to do life and how he's created us, then it stands to reason when we follow those instructions our lives will function as the way they're supposed to, as they were designed to. It, it, that things tend to operate as he intended them to. Again, this reminds me of something just a couple weeks ago. Uh, I was down in Hawking Hills with, with a buddy of mine, and he had just built a cabin, and on the adjacent property to him, somebody else was building. He's like, oh, he's, this is my, my neighbor is home. Let me, go, let me go introduce you to him. He was a retired lieutenant colonel from the Army. And he was building a treehouse with his son. Now, I'm not just talking like, oh, let's go let the little kids play in the treehouse kind of thing. It's one of these, right? This is what this guy is building, okay? This is awesome. And so, and he's almost done with it. He's starting to work on siding and finishing some things up on the inside. Now, here's what the amazing part of this is. In talking with him, right, found out he and his son, zero experience with building, with plumbing, with electric, with putting a structure on stilts and legs, all this kind of stuff. And I'm like, how did you get to this, this point? And he was like, hey, I consulted the experts. I'm watching YouTube video after YouTube video of people who did it the right way, right, and know how to do it. And so he's, this is how he's putting everything together. And he's passing his inspections and things are going well and he's almost done. So by following the instructions on how to do this the correct way, He's hoping to enjoy this with his, his family and his friends for, for years to come. But can you imagine if he just said, I don't have any experience and I'm just going to wing it. I'm just going to do this thing on my own. Didn't, didn't seek any of the experts, right? Things would not go well. He would not pass inspections. Somebody's getting electrocuted. The, the treehouse is falling down. And it would be disastrous for someone. But there's just built, why I share that is there's just built-in rewards for us when we follow the right instructions for life. Psalm 1 puts it this way. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. And on his law, he meditates day and night. He's like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in season where the leaves do not wither. And on all he does, he prospers. The wicked are not so. They are like chaff, and the wind drives them away. Solomon himself says in verse 19 here in chapter 7, he says, Wisdom gives strength to the wise man more than ten rulers who are in a city. Right? When we follow the wisdom of God, his word, we will reap better experiences, and those experiences will, will produce rewards. Right? Rewards like, hey, when my two sons obey and listen to mom and dad as the Bible instructs them to, right? Our family relationship is closer. There's more trust. There's less conflict in our home. 
When anyone avoids sexual immorality like the Bible tells us to avoid and flee from, we are blessed with less complicated relationships, less hurt, less regret in our lives, fewer heartaches. When we recognize God's design for for marriage, we create homes that that excel and a family dynamic that's healthy for the kids and and our, our spouse. When we become good stewards of our finances, like God's word says, right, we can be more generous We can bless others around us and we can avoid being a slave to debt. When we approach life the way the creator intends us to, there is reward and there is blessing. And the opposite is also true, and I'm not going to harp on this long, but with the opposite also true, when we go about life outside of the way God the creator designed or intended things to be, right, it won't go well. We will suffer harm and regret. I've lived that life, right? Like, hey, God, forget you. I'm going to do it my own way. And the result is more harm and more regret and more scars and and more pain and more brokenness. I said we'd come back to Galatians chapter 6. We're going to come back to it here again. This is why it says, for the one who sows to his own flesh, that's outside of what the creator instructs, right, will from the flesh reap corruption. But the one who sows to the spirit, that's inside what the creator instructs or from the Spirit, reap eternal life. So part of our compound answer to, hey, does God really reward and bless the righteous for following his instructions, and does he punish the wicked? Part of our answer is absolutely 100% yes. Scripture tells us that. But we are still left with, why then do good people suffer? Why then do the evil people prosper or wicked people prosper? Well, again, we're going to go back to God's word, our instruction manual. Here in Ecclesiastes 7, Solomon gives us some insight into this. He says, surely, in verse 20, there is not a righteous man on earth who does good and never sins. Solomon's word here reminds us that there is a sin issue. That there is a sin issue that all of us face. And we face it on two levels. We face it first on a personal level, right? The Bible tells us that all have strayed and all gone their own way. That is from the prophet Isaiah. The apostle Paul says all have sinned. No one is righteous. That everyone turns to their selfish ways. On a personal level, none of us can be righteous on our own due to sin in our our lives. This is why we need Jesus. That only Jesus in him can we be made righteous. Jesus takes his righteousness when we choose to follow him and accept him into our lives. He takes his righteousness and places it on us. That's why 2 Corinthians 5.21 says, For our sake he made him to be sin who knew no sin, that in him, speaking of Jesus, we might become the righteousness of God. That Romans 3.22 says, The righteousness of God comes through faith in Jesus Christ for all who believe in him, right? So Solomon here in verse 20, he reminds us that there's there's this sin issue. And on one level, we face it on a personal level. But then on another level, he reminds us that there is a universal sin issue that we all deal with. And that is that we must not forget that we live in a broken and fallen world due to sin. That we must not forget that we live in a broken and fallen world world due to sin, that our world, the things we experience, all that's going on around us has been corrupted due to sin, that since Genesis chapter 3, when sin entered the world, all of humankind has and will continue to deal with 
the, uh, the universal effects of sin's curse on nature, on sin's effect in our lives, and sin's effect on our lives. And really, the evidence is all around us. It doesn't take us long to just kind of look around and see that people are deciding to live their own way instead of God's. That, that people are trying to live like they are God. That people are acting like they are the creator. Right? That's sin. That's sin. It's looking at, at God the creator and saying, hey, listen, I got a better way to go about it. That's looking at God and saying, hey, I know I didn't create anything. I didn't create life, and I didn't create love, and I didn't create relationships or my emotions. But you know what? God, you go away. I know what's best. And we live in a world where, uh, and a country right now that is so divided on many different lines, but I don't, I don't think many of us would disagree that our country is moving further and further away from God. And some are celebrating that fact. Others, like myself, grieve it. But let me just ask on a practical level, how's that working out? That if we as humankind know what's best, shouldn't things be getting better the further we move away from God? But they're not. They're not. Again, I don't care where you land, what side of the political aisle, even if you're in here today and you're like, I'm not even a Christian, I just came because somebody's taking me to lunch after this. But you can look at the world today and probably in most of our lifetimes say, hey, there's more violence and more hate and more harm. There's more broken families. There's more broken marriages. There's more substance abuse and mental health issues and identity issues and societal issues than ever before. Why? Because of sin. Because of the sinful nature all of us have on a personal level. Because the universal effects of, of sin for the rebellion against the creator's design and rebellion against the creator himself. So why share about the personal and universal effects of sin on us? It's because, yes, we do reap what we sow. There is both, both obedience and disobedience and consequences from those. But sometimes, at times, the answer for suffering and for hardship, and for sorrow, and from the unfairness we see in this world is no more complicated than living in a broken, sinful, fallen world. And at times, the tragic loss of a loved one, a child who goes astray, the hardships of this world, teenagers experience being bullied in the hallways, disease and sickness, Suffering harm in this life has nothing to, to do with, oh, you just got to have more faith. It has nothing to do with, oh, there must be something wrong and some hidden sin in your life. It has nothing to do with, you just need to love God more. There are times it's simply due to the effect of, of sin on this world. Due to sin's effect in our lives. Therefore, even in obedience, there will be times when the righteous will suffer. That even in disobedience, we'll see the wicked prosper. That good things will happen to bad people and bad things will happen to, to good people. Which is why I said like our answer today is like kind of a, a compounded one. That obedience to God does bring blessing. Disobedience will bring consequences. And at the same time, we're living in a broken, fallen world due to the effects of sin. So things are just out of whack. So how do we reconcile that? Well, I think the first thing we do 
is go back to what Solomon's been showing us each and every week. And I know I sound like a broken record on this one. But it's this. We must look past the temporary and to the eternal. We must look past the temporary and to the eternal. That when it comes to God's reward or God's punishment, we need to look beyond this world and look into eternity. It's remembering that God doesn't always define things like we do, that his ways are beyond our ways and his thoughts are higher than our thoughts. Because let's just be honest, we get so focused on the short term, don't we? We get so focused on life under the sun. If you're like me, you just get so focused on, man, maybe I got about 76-ish years on this earth. Like, how do I, how do I live for that? How often do we slip into the thinking that this life and this world is all that there is? And when we slip into that, we begin to think, ah, reward and punishment need to happen in the here and now. But we need to remember that God's always got eternity in mind, right? That we have the short view of things, the life on this earth view of things in view. But God goes, no, 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 I've got the long view. I've got the eternal view and I want you to have it with me, which is why we have to look past the temporary and to the eternal And listen, Jesus himself would remind his followers of this often. In Matthew chapter 5, during the the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus looks at those following him and he says, listen, by you following me, you will be mocked. You will be persecuted. You, You will be lied about and you will have evil done to you. And you know how he wraps up that teaching to those who are following him? You ready for it? He says, rejoice. And be glad. Why? He says, your reward is great in heaven. He does not say your your, your reward is great on this earth. He calls their attention to the eternal view of things. It's why so often Jesus would say, hey, listen, you as a Christian are not of this world and this is not your home. The Apostle Paul calls us to the same thing in 1 Corinthians 3 where he says, hey, if you're going to pour all your efforts into the things of this world, one day, one day you're going to stand before God and he's going to look at everything you accumulated in this world and say, hey, you know what? It's going to get burned up like wood and hay. But if you had a focus on the eternal, if you built things for the kingdom, he's going to say that's what's going to last forever. What we see that, hey, Christian or non-Christian, obedient or disobedient, righteous or wicked, there will be a day like we sang about together this morning that every knee will bow and every tongue will confess Jesus Christ as Lord. And on that day, like Solomon's already told us, good or bad, all will be brought under the judgment of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's so important because even though this world can feel and seem like it's the end-all, be-all, it's not. That there will be a day when everything on this earth fades away and eternity is ushered in. And on that day, eternal rewards and even eternal punishment will be handed out. That's why right now in the here and now, we must look past the temporary and to the eternal. So here's where we're at. When it comes to does God bless and reward the righteous? Does he punish the wicked? And if so, why do we see good people suffer and wicked prosper? We've really only scratched the surface, like I said on this. We've only peeled back a few layers of the onion. And our answer, our compounded answer today is, hey, first we have to turn to the word of God for our answers. We have to build our foundation on God's word, the Bible. 
And in that, we know that obedience to God does bring blessing. And that disobedience will bring consequences. But in the midst of that, it's understanding that we still live in a broken and fallen and sinful world. Therefore, it's so important for us to look past the temporary and to the eternal. Now, here's the deal. How is God speaking to you today? What does this mean for, for you this morning? What does it mean for you right now? How, what's going on in your heart as we've talked about things? What's rolling around in your head as we've talked about this? It could be a couple things. I mean, maybe for some of us, you need to walk out today and go, I need to reevaluate if God's word is the true foundation in my life. That, hey, when trying to figure out life and purpose and meaning and my relationships and success and failure and everything under the sun, maybe today, hey, I, I need to ask, is God really the truth in my life? Is God's word really the truth in my life? Is it really the resource I turn to? Is it really the instruction manual for me? Because sometimes what we're dealing with is just us trying to do things our own way, is trying to be our own God. Sometimes it's operating from the wrong instruction manual. Listen, don't be, you can go to YouTube for a treehouse. Don't go to YouTube to figure out meaning and purpose in this life. Turn to God's word for that. Maybe, maybe today you're struggling, right? I've gotten to know some of your stories over the last year and a half, two years of being together, right? And there's many of us that are struggling to make sense of pain in our lives, of loss in our lives, of heartache in our lives, of health issues or being passed over or seeing bad things happen to good people and good things happening to bad people. And you're sitting here today and you're like, Corey, I am following God. I am turning to his word. I am obeying. I am praying. But it doesn't change the fact that some very, very tough and real and painful and difficult and tragic and draining things have happened in your life. And it doesn't make it any better but I want to just let you know, sometimes, right, those things are just a result of living in a broken and fallen world thanks to sin. If that's you today, I want to encourage you, take heart. That the Lord is still in control. Remember that God's original creation was perfect until sin entered the picture. And he will be coming again to lift the curse of sin's effect on this world once and for all when he comes to rule and reign again. He will make all things new. Until then, fight the good fight. Until then, stand on his word. Seek that which is above. Lean into the Lord and have great hope in the day that Jesus returns. Maybe today for you, it's realizing I am way too focused on the short term. Right? For every Christian out there, I just want to remind us that the Bible tells us that we are sojourners. That means we are temporary visitors on this earth. Again, Jesus says we are not of this world and this world is not our home. And if this world is not our home, I just want to say with all grace, with all truth, and with all love, I want to say to you and I want to say to myself personally, if this world is not our home, maybe it's time for some of us to stop acting like it is. Maybe it's time to stop living like this world is our final stop and start living for and living in the light of eternity. That today, I just want to encourage you, however God's speaking to you, lean into what he's impressing upon your heart today. And remember this, 
Final thought, the results of reaping what we sow, good or bad, are not always evident in this world, but they will always be evident in the next. Until then, let us run the race on this earth for the glory of God and the cause of the gospel. Until then, let us run the race knowing that Jesus does promise many different kinds of rewards in heaven for every deed done in his name on this earth. Until then, let us run the race on this earth, walking in fellowship with Jesus, knowing, yes, there's rewards to come, but we have rewards in the here and now that we can daily press into. What are those rewards that I want to leave you with today as we walk out these doors? Hey, you get to leave, we get to leave, I get to leave in the reward of knowing that our sin has been forgiven, that our debt has been paid thanks to Jesus Christ. No longer is there any condemnation for those that are in Christ. That is great reward today. That we are made righteous in Jesus and we have a right relationship with God because of him. What a great reward that is. The reward of we are promised that if we draw close to God, he will draw close to us. The reward that that we have the power to resist temptation and the attacks of the evil one. The reward today that we have God's spirit living inside of us. Oh, how we miss that one so often. The reward of having the fruit of the Spirit every single day of our lives available to us. Knowing that whatever struggles we'll face on this earth in obeying God and his word will be overly compensated for in eternity with rewards that you and I cannot even imagine. And so I want to leave us with this. Just a few final verses as we go, and I'm going to close in prayer then. I'm reminded of Romans 8.18. The Apostle Paul says, For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. Leave you with Jesus' words again from Matthew 5.12. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven. Leave you with Galatians 6.9 where the Apostle Paul writes, and says, Let us not grow weary of doing good, for in due season... We will reap if we do not give up. Would you pray with me today? Heavenly Father, um, I thank you so much for, for your word and for the, the instruction manual that it is. Lord, help us to see that your word is truth. Help us to see that Your word gives us the answers we need. Lord, help us to see your goodness toward us. Father, this is tough, tough questions today. Tough things to think about. Lord, it's hard to live in a world where we see bad things happening to good people and good things happening to those who are wicked. But Lord, help us to move beyond the temporary and move to the eternal. Lord, help us to stand and walk in the rewards we have today, the reward of your spirit living inside of us, the reward of the fruit of the spirit. And Lord, as we do so, in this lost and broken world, would we shine brightly for you? Would we be unashamed of the gospel 
Would we be unashamed of standing on your word? Would we reach out to those? Lord, it doesn't take long for us to look around and to hear people going, what is going on with the world? What is going on? I, I, I don't know how to make sense of it all. Let that be a cue for us to go and stand in the gap and say, hey, let me tell you about Jesus. Because the here and now is just a blip on the radar compared to eternity. So Lord, let us be your hands and your feet. Let us go where you want us to go. Do what you want us to do. Say what you want us to say. Keeping our eyes firmly fixed on you. Firmly fixed on the things that are above and not the things of this world. Jesus, we're so thankful for how you love us and how you gave yourself for us. It's in your name that we pray. Amen.